0: Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to James chapter 4, and in just a moment we'll look at verses 11 and 12. James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Today, as we walk through the book of James, we're going to discuss God's command for Christians not to slanderously judge a fellow christian both james and his brother jesus they shared the same mother tell us not to judge other christians but what does that mean does that mean for instance that we're never to use sound righteous judgment does it mean that we can never make any kind of scriptural Judgment when we're dealing in the house and the family of God with other believers in Christ? Absolutely not. In fact, there are times in the Bible when God says that it's right to judge someone. You said, now wait a minute, preacher, wait a minute. Now you wait a minute. John 7, 24, Jesus said, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteousness. Judgment. Say those last few words, but judge with righteous judgment. There's nothing wrong at all with making a righteous judgment. But what we're going to read about today is not righteous judgment. Rather, it is unrighteous judgment that becomes slander. You might remember also that Paul said, Hey, look, all of us as Christians, we ought not to use secular courts to try our cases. We ought to to judge among ourselves and not be a poor witness to lost people. You say, where in the world does the Bible say that? Glad you asked. 1 Corinthians 6. If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare to take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people. Notice he's saying the Lord's people ought to be the one to judge these things. Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? He's talking about at the end of time, the coming of Christ during the millennial reign. The Bible says we're gonna help Jesus judge the world. And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we, we will judge angels? He's talking about the very end of time when we apparently will sit with Jesus when the demons are brought forth, the angels, the dark angels, and they're going to be judged by us and by Christ. How much more then the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes among about such matters, do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned in the church? That is, do you go to secular people to straighten out things and to make judgments in the church? I say this to shame you. Paul says, is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers, but instead one brother takes another to court and this in front of unbelievers? The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means that you have completely been defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated?" Paul was saying, look, at the end of time, we're going to join Jesus and judge the world. Why would you not be able to have someone in your group that could come up with righteous judgment when Christians have problems with one another? And how many of you know that Christians sometimes have problems with one another? What he's saying is do a a form of mediation in the church. Don't go to the secular courts. Don't do that. Don't embarrass the church with people that might not even know the Lord. Isn't there somebody in your midst that can give righteous judgment? So it's not a sin when you exercise righteous judgment. But boy, it is a big time sin when you exercise slanderous judgment. And that's what we're talking about today in James 4, 11 through 12. Who are you to judge your neighbor? James four eleven says, do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There's only one lawgiver and judge. Notice that the letters are capitalized, by the way. This is referring to God. The one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you? Literally, it says the word you twice in the Greek. But you, who are you? who judge your neighbor. Three things. Number one, judging others divides God's church. When you slanderously judge someone, not righteous judgment, but when you, in an unrighteous fashion, judge someone slanderously, you divide the church. And I'm going to tell you something. God doesn't like it when people mess with his church. Do you know what mess with means? That's a Greek word, okay? Don't mess around with God's church. Don't tear up God's church. God doesn't like that. Twice in this text, James says, Christians do not speak against other Christians. That word speak against is kataleleo, and it's a Greek word that means don't slander them. Don't speak against. I'm going to say this to you. You can speak about someone and talk in a general way. Talking about someone, I can talk to you about my wife and I would say glowing things. There's nothing wrong with talking about someone. It's when you talk against someone. That's the slander. And that's what you can't do. That's judging someone in a bad way. To speak evil of it is defamation of someone's character literally character assassination you can shoot your words at people and destroy their reputation in Dyersburg we called it trashing folks or bad-mouthing people I just like to connect with you because all you Memphis people think you're all so, you know, urbanites, but you still understand what I'm talking about. James said, Don't malign other Christians. Don't do it. If you slander, if you speak against another Christian, you speak against the law and you judge the law. You speak against a brother. You judge your brother. That is not your place. You automatically become a slanderous Christian because you're speaking. When you speak against a brother, God tells you not to do that. When you judge your brother, God tells you not to do that. You speak against the law and you divide the church. All churches have to be on constant alert Because we have an enemy called the devil who constantly tries to bring division in our ranks. I've been pastoring for many years, almost four decades. I've been serving on Baptist church staffs for more than four decades. And I can tell you, the devil hates the church. He hates the church. He's constantly trying to cause problems in the church. I read about a problem that came up in one of the greatest churches in America and has been for a over a century, First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. At that time, Dr. George Truitt was the pastor there. And a group of church members brought some allegations against another church member to the church's pastor, Dr. Truitt. They said, we need to exercise church discipline on this young woman because she needs to be excommunicated she needs to be kicked out of the church because she has violated a special, specific aspect of our church covenant. Now, I won't go into all the details, but that's the general gist of it. So Dr. Truett set them all down and listened to their complaint. And finally says, I tell you what, I'll tell you what we'll do. We will consider this action if everyone in this group will just sit right here. I'm going to go get our financial officer. He's going to bring back and show us all what your tithes have been over the last five years. And see if you obeyed the command in the Bible to tithe to your local church. If you'll submit to that, we'll talk about exercising church discipline on this lady. Every one of them pushed back, got up, walked out. I want to tell you something. It's easy to put somebody down. But God didn't call you to put somebody down. God called you to pick people up. Be in the picking up business, not the putting down business. You know where it's rampant? Social media. I got on social media. It was about 2008. Just to try to be a, a voice for the Lord. I'm still on it. Some days I say, you know what? I'm getting out of this, man. <laughs> this miry clay, I'm, I'm tired of this. But what I do is I read my Bible in the morning and I always grab a scripture or two and I say something out of the scripture and put something with it. Try to be encouraging. It is amazing to me, though, how people will quickly jump on you. If you say anything that's not exactly right in their idea, they will jump. Oh, by the way, they do this on Facebook, too. They will wear you out. They will jump on you. They will start piling on. And there are literally teenagers. You know, what, what I, I do is I just try to ignore them. But, you know, teenagers can't handle that a lot of times. There are teenagers all across America who have committed suicide because people have attacked them and slandered them and judged them on the Internet, on social media. Is it quiet in here? Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Who are you? Who am I? To slander somebody publicly when they can't even defend themselves. It divides the church of Jesus Christ. Speaking against one another. Did you catch that? Speaking against one another. The one another's in the New Testament are amazing and I'm just going to get, you say, Brother Steve, you're talking and you're talking about it. We're looking at dozens of blanks and we don't know when are you going to fill these blanks in right now, okay? I want to give you just a sample of what we are to do. I don't want to sit up here and tell you what not to do without telling you what to do, okay? I'm telling you, don't slander other people. Just don't Do it. It is not your job. Okay? You know what my dad used to say to me? He said, here we go again. You know what my dad used to say to me? Steve, I heard this at least 100 times. Steve, if you will take care of Steve, you will have a full-time job. (laughs) Anybody else had a daddy like that? Amen. Don't speak against one another. What are you supposed to do with one another? Listen to this. Love one another. Love, 12 times in the Bible, in the New Testament, love one another. Let's say it out loud. Love one, and by the way, you know what love is? Meeting the needs of someone. It's not just saying, oh, I love you, 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 I love you. Ooh, I love you. No, it's meeting somebody's needs. (laughs) Sir, don't just tell her you love her, fix her some breakfast, amen. Amen. Help with the kids. Ladies, you missed a great chance right there. (laughs) Too late. Too late. Be devoted to one another. Say it out loud. Be devoted to one another. That means to be loyal. Does anybody remember loyalty? Dedication. Give preference to one another. Say that out loud. Give preference to one another. That means put other people before yourself. Even when you're driving in Memphis. They put their blinker on. You say, you're not pulling in front of me, man. Then you stare at them, cut them off. Why don't you just invite them to Bellevue the next time you do that, all right? Oh, would you like to go to church too? I don't think they would come. Hey, look, somebody puts a blinker on, slow down and let them in. I promise you, you... I promise you, you're gonna you are going you do not have to race them. Okay? Give preference to one another. Receive one another. Say it out loud. Receive one another. That means to pull them in closely. Quit pushing people away and pull people in. Receive them. Admonish one another. Say it out loud. Admonish one another. It means to teach them. Maybe the reason they don't know how to act is nobody's ever taught them. Maybe they didn't have somebody like you had to teach you. Teach them. Admonish them. Greet one another. Say it out loud. Greet one another. Now, i got to tell you, this means to joyfully receive, but every time, four times it's mentioned in the New Testament, and every time it says greet one another, you ready? With a holy kiss. So don't practice that right now, okay? Let's wait for that. Serve one another. Say it now. Serve one another. Help somebody. Assist somebody. Bear one another's burdens. Say it out loud. Bear one another's burdens. Help lift their load. Did you know there are a lot of people around you right now that have heavy loads on them? And they could use some help. Show forbearance to one another. You say, what in the world is that? Be patient. Be patient, be patient. Don't you be in such a hurry. Be patient, be patient. When you are impatient, it only leads to worry. Remember, remember, the Lord is patient too. Just think of all the times that others had to wait on you. Amen. <laughs> Vacation Bible school. <laughs> Learned it a long time ago. Thank you very much. That's what forbearance means. Don't you like it when people are patient with you? I'm going to tell you, I'm glad Donna is. I lay stuff all over the place and can't find it. Anybody, can I get a witness out there? Anybody out there? Where's your wallet right now? I don't know. If you put it in the right place, it would be there. I know, but it's not. I need to get going. Be kind to one another. (laughs) Be good to people. Say, be kind to one another. Forgive one another. You know what it means? Let them go. Let them out of your jail cell. Release them, pardon them, forgive them. That's what Jesus did. Everybody say, forgive one another. another. Teach and admonish one another. Say that out loud. It means to train people. Comfort one another. Say that out loud. It means to strengthen somebody instead of weakening them. comfort. Edify one another. Say it out loud. Edify one another. Build people up. Don't tear them down. Exhort one another. Say it out loud. Exhort one another. Cheer people up. Encourage people. Don't discourage folks. Cheer them up. And then stimulate one another. Say it out loud. Stimulate one another. And if you look at the whole text there, to love and to good works. Stimulate them, that is motivate them, inspire people. Don't be a wet blanket that's always putting out the fire and the zeal of young people. Man, encourage people and motivate them. Do you get the point? Do you get the point? We're supposed to love each other. That's the deal. We're supposed to be kind. But if you divide, hey, look at me. The one-anothers are how you build the body of Christ and help the body of Christ to be what we ought to be. But when you tear down somebody else in the body, you're hurting the body. When you slander people, you're destroying the body of Christ. And look at me, God will not give you a buy on that. Righteous judgment, that's one thing slanderous judgment that's a totally different other thing do you know there's some things god hates there's seven at least proverbs six there are six things which the lord hates yes seven which are an abomination to Him. what are those haughty eyes a lying tongue hands that shed innocent blood i think about folks that do abortion right there A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies. You ready now? And one who spreads strife among brothers. That last one, you see that? That's judging people unrighteously and slandering them. Judging other Christians divides God's church. Number two, judging other Christians degrades God's law. Now look at verse 11, the last part of it. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law. And in James if you're not a doer of the law, that's bad, All right. If you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but you're a judge of it. James said that Christians who speak against and judge other Christians literally become lawbreakers themselves. Because they break what He refers to back in chapter 2 verse 8 as the royal law. James 2 verse 8 says, If however you are fulfilling the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Say that with me. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. Jesus said that is the second greatest commandment of all. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. James was saying that when you maliciously judge other Christians, you break God's law because Christ said, don't judge other people maliciously. That's what Jesus was saying in the Sermon on the Mount. Again, we go back from the book of James to the Sermon on the Mount because James is commenting all through his letter, he's commenting on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said in John In Matthew 7, verses 1 and following, these famous words, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. Did you hear that? You will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck, a little bitty blemish in your friend's eye when you have a log, a huge two-by-four, sticking in your own eye, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First get rid of the log that's in your own eye, then you will see well enough or clearly to deal with the speck that's in your brother's eye. When folks judge other people They act like they're above the law of God. They're saying that Jesus, even though he commanded us not to judge in an arrogant way, we're gonna do it anyway. We don't believe what Jesus said is right. They degrade God's word. Some people think it's their job to straighten everybody out, to police everybody, I read a true story about a trip on a train on the Santa Fe Railroad. My dad worked for the Illinois Central. And they were crossing Oklahoma. I don't know if you've ever crossed Oklahoma, but I got news for you. Oklahoma is just holding the world together, all right? I'm just telling you. Now, if you're an Oklahomian, if that's what you call that, Uh, I'm not trying to put it down, but there's just a lot of flat land with a lot of bent over trees because the wind blows so much. So they're going across on this train. I've never seen it on a train, but I have seen it on an airplane, this very thing. A baby was crying. How many of you ever been somewhere where a baby was crying and uh, it was making some racket and you kind of wish that the mother would do something about it? And so... The baby was crying on the train. They were going across the desert, going across Oklahoma, the flatlands. And kept on crying, kept on crying. Finally, a man, two or three rows back, just shouts out rudely, said, Hey, can you can you do something with your baby? We're, we're trying to talk back here. Can you can you just stop your baby from crying? Don't be that guy. The lady said, I'm doing the best I can. And by the way, he's not my baby. Well, where's his mother? Can't she do something with her baby? No, she can't. Because she's in a casket in the car behind us. I'm doing the best I can to quiet this baby who's lost his mother. And that man, tears came in his eyes. He went up and said, can I have the baby and help you? He took that baby, held him close, walked up and down the train car until the baby went to sleep. That baby and that woman didn't need to be maliciously judged and slandered and embarrassed what they needed is somebody to help them if you will stop slandering people and start helping people the world's going to be a better place and i want to say this i'm all for people reporting the news but i went to the southern baptist convention and I heard all the stuff that the media put out about the Southern Baptist Convention. And they slandered the Southern Baptist Convention left and right. And they said, oh, it's a divided convention. Oh, you know, they're hiding things. Oh, this Southern Baptist. I want to tell you why the world doesn't like the Southern Baptist Convention. And by the way, when I hear their report on it and I go to it every year, and I said, they didn't go to the same one I went to I want to say this to you. The world doesn't like us because we believe the Bible is the Word of God. The world doesn't like the Southern Baptist Convention because we believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. The world doesn't like us because we believe an unborn baby has as much a right to live as any other human being and that abortion is wrong. The world doesn't like us because we want to be in love with everybody in the sense of color. We don't want to have racial discrimination. We are constantly putting out there, and I was on the resolution, I was chairing the resolution committee when we were putting out all kinds of statements about the fact that we want everybody to love everybody and that we would all get along and that the races would come together. They don't like that. They want to stir up Division in every way they can. And they don't like what Scripture says about all the, they, they, they don't like about what we believe that marriage is one man and one woman for life and not anything else. They don't like us because we don't promote the LGBTQ movement and all that other stuff. I want to say this to you. That's why they slander us. So what do we do? Jesus said, blessed are you when you've been persecuted. And people say all kinds of things about you. Rejoice and be glad, for so you will prove to be my disciples. I'm not the least bit worried about the secular media slandering the Southern Baptist Convention. But I got news for you. We are still sending out almost 4,000 missionaries. We are st- all over the world in over 120 countries. We are still planting hundreds of churches every year across North America. We, I saw over 60 missionaries commissioned to go around the world to join our other missions. It is not a perfect organization, and I'm not trying to protect it, but I want to tell you this. Just because the sinful world comes after it doesn't mean that it's wrong and that it's racist and all that. It's not, it's not. See, see when, when people slander you, it stings, doesn't it? And that's what James is saying. Don't do that to other people. Don't do it, don't do it. Judge righteously, yes, but don't judge other people in a slanderous way. Don't do it on Facebook. Don't do it in the media. Don't do it anywhere. Second Corinthians 12, for I'm afraid that perhaps when I come, I may find you, Paul says, to be not what I wish <clears throat> and may be found by you to be not what you wish, that perhaps there will be, he's talking to the church at Corinth, strife and jealousy, angry tempers, disputes, slanders. There it is. Gossip, arrogance, disturbances. What he's saying is, when I come to you, I don't want people arrogantly judging one another. We need to avoid that because judging degrades God's word. Well, judging others divides God's church, degrades God's law, there's one more thing. To me, this, the last thing is the most serious thing of all. It devalues God's sovereignty. What do you mean by that? It puts you in a place where you think you know more than God. And look at me, you don't, and I don't either. You don't know more than God. But when you slander other people, when you judge other people, you devalue God's sovereignty, his place of sovereignty. Look at verse 12. fact, this is such a powerful verse. Would you read it with me, please? Let's read it off the screen. Here we go. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy, but who are you who judge your neighbor? Might ought to put that one to memory. Great verse. There's only one lawgiver and judge. Guess who it is? God. He's the only one qualified. Why is God the only one qualified? Because we can only see people on the outside. We don't know what's inside them. But God, the Bible says, He doesn't look, He doesn't see as man sees. He doesn't look just at the outward appearance, but He looks at the heart. God knows your heart. You don't even know your heart. Jeremiah says that our hearts are so deceptive, we don't even know our own hearts. How many times have I had people Come to me, Pastor, well, if I know my heart, I just want to stop and say, but you don't. (laughs) You don't know your heart. Only God knows your heart. There's only one lawgiver and only one judge. He wrote the law. He's the only one that can make the judgments about the law. The one who is able to save and to destroy. We don't think about that with God, but Jesus said in Matthew 10 28, Don't fear those who can kill the body but are unable to kill the soul. Rather fear Him, God, who's able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So God's the only one that's able to save and destroy. God is the only lawgiver. God's the only true righteous judge. So here's the question You. You, says it twice, you, who are you? That's the way it reads in the Greek. You, who are you? To judge your neighbor. You know what he means? Who do you think you are? What in the world are you thinking Who do you think you are? How can you even talk about this without saying what you're trying to do? You're trying to devaluate God's sovereignty. That's a fancy way of saying it. You're trying to put yourself in the place of God. Do you know who did that first? The devil. The devil. Satan tried to overthrow God's kingdom, and God kicked him out of heaven. (laughs) But when you judge somebody, you do the same thing. You're never more like the devil than when you arrogantly, hatefully judge somebody. And you're never more like Jesus when you lovingly, rightfully judge them and help them and minister to them. Can't read this without thinking about that Lady in John 8. Famous occasion. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning. He came again to the temple. All the people were coming to him. He sat down, began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. A woman caught in adultery. Last time I checked, it takes two to commit adultery. Where was the man? It was an agenda. They had an agenda. Having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? They were saying this, testing Jesus, bad idea, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. What's that all about? I'll tell you what, it's not hard when you think about it. Everybody's staring at this woman. She was probably scantily dressed if she was doing what they said she was doing. So she's embarrassed. She's mortified. She's standing before God in the flesh. And so she's out there and she's wondering if she'll ever... Live throughout the day. And so Jesus, now watch, in order to get the attention off of her, he kneels down and starts doodling in the ground. So, why did he do that? To get people to stop looking at her and embarrassing her and start looking at him. And he did the same thing when he died for you on the cross. Your sins were just as bad as that woman caught in adultery and Jesus took your sins on the cross. He put all the attention not on you, but he took all the attention and put it on himself so that you would not live in embarrassment. Is God good? Is God good? Can we just thank him for doing that for us right now? And so Jesus, Jesus is doodling in the dirt. I wish I could have been able to read what he, I think he might've been writing, hey, what about you, Sam? Remember when you committed adultery? Maybe he was writing something like that. I don't know. Pointing out to the Pharisees their problems. I don't know. But he stooped down. And when they persisted, watch this now. Don't you love the dramatic moments in Scripture? He straightened up. When Jesus straightened up, somebody is about to be straightened out. Amen? He straightened up. Said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down and wrote in the ground some more. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones, and he was left alone in the woman where she was in the center of the court. Straightening up this time, Not to take somebody on, but to minister to somebody. Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did nobody condemn you? Don't miss what she said. Look at every word. She said, no one, what's the next word? I believe with all my heart, just like the thief on the cross. She put her faith and trust in Jesus right then. And look at what Jesus said to her. You know she had to have trusted in him because I think she got saved right there. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Perfect answer now, because he finishes well. Go from now on, sin no more. Notice what he says, you've called me Lord. I see in your heart that you've repented. I know that you're sorry for what you've done. Yes, you committed adultery. I forgive you. I'm not condemning you. But now look, don't keep living like this. Don't do this. It's the perfect answer to somebody that sins. I forgive you, but don't keep doing this. Stop it. And I'll help you. I'll help you. But you got to repent. And you have. And so don't be like a dog that eats his vomit. The proverb said don't be a fool who repeats his folly. Don't go back to your sin, but I forgive you. I I don't condemn you. How many of you want to hear Jesus say to you, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Anybody out there? I got both hands up. Amen. That's what I want to hear. There's only one person who's the lawgiver and the judge, and that's God. Give you one of my favorite verses and we'll all be through here. Isaiah thirty-three twenty-two. I memorized this a long time ago. About 31 years ago. Would you stand up and let's read it together, okay? All right. Look around. Is everybody up? (laughs) Okay. Okay. Let's say it. Read it with me, please. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. us. Who's the judge? Are you the judge? No. Does that mean you never exercise righteous judgment? No. Do, Do you use common sense? Yes. Do you Evaluate things according to scripture, absolutely. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about judgmental slandering. You don't do that. It's not your job. It's not your job to straighten everybody out. Newsflash. You want somebody to straighten out? Touch your face. That's who you need to straighten out. (laughs) Deal with yourself. Quit picking on people. Stop it. Because when you judge other people, you divide God's church, you degrade his law, you devalue God's sovereignty. I'm gonna tell you one story. I I gotta tell it. I gotta tell it. If you need to leave, don't. It's only 1213. When I played football in high school, I we had some really good players that went on to play in Division one. I. I played in Division II. We had some great players. One of them was a guy that I met when he was a freshman in high school. I saw him with my eyes. I was a sophomore. I saw him bench press. 300 pounds in the ninth grade. I've never bench-pressed 300. If you put 300 pounds on me any time in my life, it would have cut me in half, amen? I just never could bench-press very much. He was a phenomenon. He was about six feet tall, weighed about 210, and he started all through high school as our nose guard and as our fullback. He was bad news. He was tough. His name was Jimmy Noonan. And Jimmy Noonan, his senior year was just doing great. And so I go to my coaches at UT Martin and I said, you need Jimmy Noonan. They said, he's too short. I said, he can bench press now almost 400 pounds. He is a freak of nature. He is one of the kindest people I've ever met. His dad and and his family they have this lawn care business. He is dependable. He is runs a 4640. He will not. He will knock you out. I'm telling you. You need Jimmy Noonan. He's too short. That's what they said at UT Martin. But you know what they said at UT Knoxville. Jimmy, would you like a full scholarship? <laughs> Before his freshman year, he was the starting linebacker. His sophomore year, he led the team in tackles and was All SEC. And I watched him on TV. And my my it was my second year, you know. Uh, I was my first year at Union. Then my junior year, his sophomore year, and and. Whenever he tackles somebody, some of you might remember, they'd say, Noonan, Noonan. I just want to go back to my coaches and say, Noonan, Noonan. And they were always saying, we messed up, we messed up. How many of you know that you can make a bad judgment once in a while? Anybody know that? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, look at me. We all mess up and make bad judgments. But there's something you can do. You don't have to be a mean, judgmental person that puts people down trying to lift yourself up. Stop it. Stop it. Don't do it. It's the pathway to destruction. Don't. Tears up the church, comes against the word of God, and puts God down. Don't do it. Just leave it alone. Because who are we to judge our neighbor?